What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at goforitgant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, you hit us up here on the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, where we can talk some sports, have fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Golden State Warriors guard Sean Livingston. And Sean will be joining us talking about his foundation, talking about the upcoming season, also talking about him signing uh, with the Golden State Warriors. Also, we're going to get his take. I mean, you know, many years, what, seven years ago, Sean Livingston had a very horrific injury, similar to what happened to Paul George, so we're going to get his take on uh, his reaction to it and, and what Paul George may need, may need to do to get, come back healthy and become ultimately a, a better player or the same player. Also, we're expected to be joined by Atlanta Hawks forward Mike Scott, and Mike uh, signed a new deal with the Atlanta Hawks, three years, $10 million, so he's back with the Atlanta Hawks, so we're going to get uh, tell, ask him why he resigned with the Hawks. I know he was a restricted free agent, so a lot of times and plus the Hawks made him a qualifying offer, so a lot of times your options become limited. But we're going to ask Mike why he returned to Atlanta and the future of the Atlanta Hawks. Al Horford will be coming back, so we'll get his take on that. And also comedian Arnaz J. Arnaz J, a very funny guy. He has a, a video out there on Netflix, iTunes, and Amazon, racially motivated. Uh, so he's a very funny guy, actually, and I look forward to uh, having him on as well. I mean, very funny guy, and we're going to have him on as well. So Mike Scott. Sean, Mike Scott at 10 after, Sean Livingston at 7.10, and Arnest J at 7.30. I want to start in the NBA now. Kevin Love. It's official, not official per se, but it's pretty much done. The, the Warriors, I mean not the Warriors, the T-Wolves and the Cavaliers pretty much have agreed to the Kevin Love trade. Their agreement, according to a Yahoo Sports report, is Kevin Love to the Cavaliers for Andrew Wiggins, for Anthony Bennett, and a protected first-round pick in 2015. So, reality is the deal can't be finalized until uh, August, 20, August 23rd, and the reason for that is because Andrew Wiggins signed this deal uh, July 23rd, I believe it was, so obviously that's 30 days. So he's got to wait 30 days until he can be traded. So once those 30 days are up, Kevin Love will be on his way to Cleveland, and Andrew Wiggins, the number one pick, will be headed to Minnesota 
along with Anthony Bennett, along with a number one draft pick in 2015, a protected number one draft pick in 2015. So, I mean, you know, this is a, a deal that many expected to go down. It's not surprising at all. Obviously, at this point now, with with Kevin Love and LeBron James together, along with Kyrie Irving, you form another big three in Cleveland now. LeBron goes from a big three in Miami to a big three in Cleveland. And you asked, I know a lot of questions are out there, which big three was better? I think in its its prime, which I believe was the first year those two got together, the first couple years uh, the big three got together in Miami, you have to say the Miami big three because D. Wade, was a top 10 player. Chris Bosh, top 15, top 20 player at that time. And LeBron James, obviously, probably the best player, if not the best player in the game. So, you know, second or if not the best, you know, you know, him, Kobe, you get different takes from different people at that time when they first came together. Obviously, at this point in time, LeBron James is the best player in basketball. But I look at Kevin Love to the Cavaliers at this point. I mean, obviously, you have to say the Cavaliers are the favorite. Uh, you know, Chicago Bulls are there. They're a team that I think, obviously, with the return of Derrick Rose and the signing of Pal Gasol, they're a team that you're going to have to watch for. They're a team that I think is prepared to contend if Derrick Rose is healthy. The Indiana Pacers, unfortunately, with the injury to Paul George and with them uh, letting Lance Stevenson go to, to Charlotte with the Hornets, you got to look at the Indiana Pacers as you know, a fringe playoff team. It's not a playoff team at all. So I mean, other than Miami, I mean, I'm, and yeah, I'll say my, I did say Miami, and I mean it. I meant to say Miami because you look at Miami, D Wade, if he can be the D Wade that we we all knew and loved for the many years, if he can be that guy, if he can be that guy, along with the addition of Blue Al Dang, and of course you keep Chris Bosh, if D Wade can be that guy again. At that point, at this point, you have to put the Miami Heat in the conversation. But I look at the East, and it's just like last year. It was pretty much Miami and Indiana. This year, you're getting a sense it's a two-horse race with the Bulls and the Cavaliers. So it should be very interesting. The Bulls, they've been trying for years now to, to, to knock off LeBron James. Just like LeBron James almost had to he, – he had to go through the Boston Celtics big three. Now Derrick Rose has a similar challenge. He has to go through the LeBron James big three, whether that big three was in uh, Cleveland or Miami. They couldn't get through that big three in Miami. It was too much, too much firepower. The Bulls did not have enough firepower to get through. Now Powell Casals in the mix. You know, Jimmy Butler's a year better. Noah, we'll see if Dougie McBuckets can, uh, can bring something to the table for the Chicago Bulls. Also, you know, uh, they have the, the young big man coming overseas, and we'll see if he can be what they need him to be, and we'll see if he can contribute for the Chicago Bulls. We'll see if, he, if he's, you know, a player that can contribute. Maroctic, uh, Nikola Maroctic is coming over. So, I mean, they got some pieces there. Chicago, if D. Rose can stay healthy, is a team that you're going to have to look out for. If D. Rose can stay healthy. Big if. Big if. Because over the years, it's been a big if, and we don't know if he can do it. I mean, I hope he can. 
I, I mean, I, I really do. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Derrick Rose. I like what he brings to the table. Seems like a good guy, and, and I just like him, and I just hope he can stay healthy, just like Paul George. We had Paul George on this show. Uh, this was maybe two years ago, and a good guy, a real good guy, and to see him go down like that was rough to see, and we'll get to that in a moment. But Kevin Love, with the, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers at this point, and I was looking at this deal, and I was thinking, why didn't Cleveland, not Cleveland, Minnesota, why didn't they try to find a way to give up or give uh, Cleveland some of their bare contracts? I mean, you know, J.J. Barea's contract, uh, Bayamute's contract. I mean, you, you would think Fed's contract, you would think they would try to, to give Cleveland some of those contracts, some of those bad contracts they want to rid themselves of. But they weren't able to do it for whatever reason. I know, you know, and I've heard some people believe that the Golden State deal, and there were, I know at one point maybe Clay Thompson was involved, but we don't know if he was, was not involved, and at one point maybe he was involved. But as it turns out, I mean, the offer, and here, here are some reports, you're hearing some reports that, it was initially going to be Barnes, Harrison Barnes, D. Lee, Clay Thompson going to Minnesota, and Minnesota would return Kevin Love, I believe Kevin Martin, and also uh, the number 13 pick. Minnesota was pretty reluctant and did not want to do that, so it didn't happen. Minnesota did not do it, so it didn't, it didn't happen. But ultimately, ultimately, you look at it, you look at the situation, and you're wondering if or should Minnesota, should they have taken that Golden State deal? Should they have taken that Golden State deal? Was that the better deal? Should they have went that route? And I say no because I, even if, well, I guess if Clay Thompson is included, but you do miss out on the number 13 pick, and we don't know if Zach Levine, what he's going to be, he shows some potential. He's shown some ability in terms of athleticism. Wow. But, I mean, even – with Clay, I guess with Clay Thompson, it's a great deal. But without Clay Thompson, this Cavalier deal is better. And Andrew Wiggins, we don't know if he's going to be a superstar. We we don't know what he's going to be. He may or may not be a superstar. We'll see. We don't know. But this is Minnesota we're talking about, and a lot of people don't want to go to Minnesota. That's not a desirable destination for free agents throughout the league. So when you're the Minnesota T-Wolves, you have to draft well. You have to, to, to be, you got to be able to, to get the players through the draft because you're probably not going to get the big names through free agency. So you got to get them through the draft. And, and getting them through the draft, you, you, hopefully they'll stay. I mean, you had Kevin Garnett who for many years stayed in a losing situation in Minnesota. Many years. Many people believe that Kevin Garnett stayed too long. But he was a loyal guy. So maybe if Andrew Wiggins comes to Minnesota, likes Minnesota, comes to Minnesota, begins to like Minnesota, maybe he'll stick in Minnesota. Maybe you will be able to build around him. I mean, you have Ricky Rubio there. We'll see if Levine, we'll see what, he, what comes of him. We'll see how he does and see if he's good enough. I mean, we'll see. Anthony Bennett, another guy who was a number one pick two years ago but struggled last season. Struggled mightily last season. But you, you look at what he did in the summer league, he was much improved. It is summer league, but he was improved. And, and I think just judging off being that you didn't get anything from him last season and looking at what you're getting now from him in the summer league, albeit summer league, 
you got to be somewhat happy. You got to be okay with what you're getting from Anthony Bennett, and we'll see what Anthony Bennett will become. We'll see what, it be, what he will become, but a, he definitely has shown some signs in summer league. I'm not saying it's going to mean anything, but he showed signs in summer league. And, and let's be clear about summer league: a lot of those players don't make the NBA who play in summer league. So, you know, just take that into account as, as you think about it. But anyway. At the end of the day, as Isaiah Thomas pointed out, LeBron James is a great executive. Isaiah tweeted that out today. LeBron James is a great executive. He was able to convince Mike Miller to come. Kevin Love now. He's got Kevin Love coming over. Maybe he can get Ray Allen to come. He's got James Jones coming. So Cleveland has become, uh, in a lot of ways, Miami North. So it should be interesting what happens moving forward. When we come back, we're going to be joined by a guy who just got paid. Mike Scott re-signed with the Atlanta Hawks, and he will be joining us when we come back. You're listening to Go Forward on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat, and the Knicks have had... Some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't see. mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can kept married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> We see what you can do. We seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's Harley. That's not Roxy. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. And we're back. And we're going to bring in a guy now who, who re-signed with the Atlanta Hawks, had a career year for him uh, last year. He, he stepped on the scene for the Atlanta Hawks and, and really played some big-time basketball for the Hawks in the playoffs and throughout the course of the regular season. This guy had a pretty good season, and he got himself a new deal, three years, $10 million. Let's bring him in now, Atlanta Hawks forward, Mike Scott. Mike, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Now, Mike, you were a restricted free agent, but ultimately, and it took a while, but ultimately you signed and stayed with the Atlanta Hawks. Tell us why. Um, you know, Atlanta was was a city I always wanted to stay in, and, um, you know, I liked where the uh, program was going, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to stay there. My agent uh, came to agreements with the Hawks, and, uh, you know, I'm back. Now, according to reports, you had an offer from a team in Russia. Is that true? And <laughs> how close were you to going to Russia? Um, I mean, that that report was definitely true. Um, you know, I was considering it, and I told the Hawks that I was. But, it, you know, no, actually, I just wanted to come back to Atlanta. That was my main focus. And it's pretty cold over there, too. <laughs> yeah, it's very cold, and I don't, I don't like the cold that much. <laughs> Let me ask you this. You had career highs in rebounding, minutes, and points. What was the difference for you last season? Was it all about you getting an opportunity? Why were you better in 2014? 
Um, I think you're right. It was definitely opportunity when uh, Al Horford went down. You know, they needed another big step in and, uh, you know, step up while he was out. And it was, you know, another thing was confidence. It was my second year, um, another year of summer league, another year of training camp. And, uh, you know, it was just playing with a lot more confidence. We're talking to Hawks forward Mike Scott. And, Mike, you guys took the Pacers to game seven. You guys were up three games to two. I had your teammate on, Damari Carroll, and Damari said, you know what, you guys let one slip away. Do you feel like you guys let one slip away? Yeah, of course. Um, You know, I still think about it to this day. Uh, Game six at home, that was, you know, that was for us to close out the series, and we was up 3-2. We had just one on the road in Indiana with game five. So, yeah, uh, I think we let game uh, game six get out of of the way. And you guys were, I believe you guys were up five with about three minutes to go in in game six, and ultimately the Pacers were able to close it out in game six and ultimately – win the series. Let's, let me ask you about that game five uh, against the Indiana Pacers. That second quarter, 17 points for you in that second quarter, five for five from downtown. Take us through it. Um, you know, I was just I was just in the zone, feeling it. You know, you see the first two go in, you're like, all right, you know, I'm on. And, you know, the third three-point that goes off the backboard and you make it, I'm like, man, okay, it's going to be that type of night. And after that, I was just going to shoot anything I got because I already <laughs> – I already knew what type of night it was. Let me ask you, when, when do you know it's that type of night? Is, is it that first shot? When, is it during shoot-around? When do you know that you're going to be in the zone or you're going to have a big-time night? I think it's, you know, the first two shots. You know, if you make the first one, you just, you know, okay. You make the second one, you're like, all right. And then, uh, if you make the third one, then you're like, all right, man. I, I, I mean, how could, you, how could you stop shooting? How could you? <laughs> exactly, you didn't stop, and you got a done seventeen big points, and ultimately you guys won that game five. We're talking to Hawks forward Mike Scott, and one thing about the system in Atlanta, Coach Budenhauser's system is you guys shoot a lot of threes. How much does that system fit your skill set? It seems to fit your skill set very well. Uh, of course, um, you know we play with a lot of spread, spread offense, and. Uh, shoot a lot of threes, and that's one of my specialties. It's something I'm still continuing to work on shooting from long range. But, uh, you know, I love it. You don't see me complaining. <laughs> and, and last season, as we said, you came off the bench. You played the three. You played some four as well. Do you think you'll have the same role uh, that you had last season? I know Al Horford's coming back. That may, you know, affect your minutes. But do you expect to have the same role? Uh, for the most part, come off the bench with a lot of energy and uh, – you know, play hard, play defense, score, rebound. You know, just do, just do all the little things. You know that that I can do, and I mean, it doesn't matter how long I'm out there in the court. Just, uh, you know, just be productive. Now, what do you do now? What do you do now in this all season to take that ne- next step? Obviously, you have career highs in, in points and rebounds and minutes, but what do you do now to take that next step? Uh, I've been working on my ball handling a lot, um, getting a lot quicker. Uh, sliding more, be able to guard smaller players. Um, just working on my perimeter game a lot, so I can be you no know, more versatile. Okay, okay. We're talking Atlanta Hawks forward Mike Scott and Mike. Everyone saw what happened the other night with Paul George in Las Vegas. What was your initial reaction when you saw that injury? You played against him in a seven-game series. What was your reaction? Uh, I just couldn't believe it. Um, well, we had the same agent, so I was talking to my agent, and uh, you know he was out there watching him, 
and I was just, it was just crazy. I just couldn't believe it, and they just kept replaying it. I didn't enjoy that part, but right, um, it was shocking. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was tough to see, definitely, as you yeah. said, and yeah. Well, have you spoke to Paul George at all? I have not, but uh, I told my agent that um, that I kept him in my prayers and uh, hoping he comes out with a you know a successful recovery. Okay, and let's go to your team now. Looking at the Eastern Conference, you know you got a lot of people talking about LeBron, Kevin Love, and the Cavaliers. Kevin Love probably is coming over. You got D Rose and the Bulls. Let me ask you this: where do where does the Atlanta Hawks stack up in terms of the Eastern Conference? Where do you see you guys? Um. I don't. I don't really know. I didn't really thought about that far, and probably won't ever. I mean, I'm just not even worried about anyone else. Just uh, you know, focus on us, and you know, just take one game at a time. I don't really look at you know standings and uh, you know preseason hype. But looking at your team, you feel like your team can compete for a championship at this point. Uh, I mean, we're gonna do it, do whatever it takes to compete. Yes, for that championship. Uh, you know, I don't really worry about um, other teams and seeding and all that other stuff. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, your tattoos got a lot of attention during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You, you have some emoji tats all over you. Um, talk about it. Talk talk about the tattoos. Tell us about them. Um, you know. I use a lot of emojis when I text, and okay. it's you know something original. Um, you know, a lot of people don't aren't, aren't doing it, and it's me. That's what I do. How many emoji tats do you have? Uh, I don't know. I don't keep count. <laughs> <laughs> are you going? Are you going to get any more? I'm going to get all of them. All of them? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You got enough space on the body? Of course. <laughs> So when do you expect to get all of them? Do you have a timetable? No, I don't. I don't have a timetable. Okay. No. All right, all right. All right, sounds good. Mike, let me ask you this now. You are you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Mike Scott on Twitter? Um, At Mike Scott on Twitter. <laughs> the pretty simple name. That's exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> fans, make sure you hit this man up on Twitter at Mike Scott and Mike, you know, and, and fans, make sure you look out, look out for some of the more emoji tattoos that are going to come with Mike Scott. And I know you like to tweet with some emoji as well, so you like to have fun with that. Well, of course, you know, uh, you know that's that's my thing. So, um, you know, I enjoy it for sure. Again, fans, hit this man up on Twitter at Mike Scott. Mike, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. Take care. All right. Mike Scott, forward for the Atlanta Hawks. Mike Scott just got a three-year, $10 million deal with the Atlanta Hawks. So he's back in the fold, back in the fold for the Atlanta Hawks. And an opportunity for him now uh, and the Hawks. I mean, getting out Horford back definitely is big time. You know, you still have Paul Millsap as well. you got Mike Scott. They did draft Adrian Payne. So, I mean, Atlanta Hawks, I think the Atlanta Hawks are going to be a decent team. I think they got a decent thing going on with Coach Budenhauser. And I really like the way they played last season. I know part of their success, I think, was matchup. I think matchup definitely helped. They matched up very well 
against the Indiana Pacers. I mean, they matched up very well against the Pacers. And uh, as he said, they let one slip away, and they did. They did. That was their series. That was their series as far as, I was, as, far as I'm concerned. That, that was their series, and they let it slip away. They really did. But, yeah, you know, it's a learning experience ultimately. And, you know, you go into the offseason and you learn from, from what you did in that playoff, and hopefully you come out and you can get better and, and become a better player moving forward and a better team moving forward. But the Atlanta Hawks, you know, with Coach Budenhauser and, and the return of Al Horford and saying what's going on in the Eastern Conference. I mean, with, with Paul George and, and Lance Stevenson out of the mix for the Indiana Pacers, obviously the Eastern Conference becomes much more wide open. I mean, it was wide open to begin with. But it becomes much more wide open. But you got to also look at what happened with Cleveland and them getting Kevin Love. I mean, Love, Kyrie Irving, and LeBron James is going to be very tough to get past for any team in the Eastern Conference. And the thing about it is, Kyrie Irving's young. Kevin Love is young. Kevin, young, Kevin Love's 26 years old. 26 years old. So guess what? To my, the the Cavaliers, and it's expected Kevin Love is going to sign in 2015 a five-year, $120 million deal to stick and stay with the Cavaliers. So you look at the Cavaliers now, the way they're presently constructed, with LeBron James, with Kevin Love, with Kyrie Irving, only 22. LeBron's 29. Kevin Love is 20, will be 26. Kyrie Irving... 22 years old. So guess what? That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough for anybody to get by in the Eastern Conference. That's going to be tough. I mean, just think about it. You know, when, when he went to Miami, those guys were in their late 20s. But now you're getting guys 25 and with Kevin Love and 22 with um, – Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love will be 26 by the time the season starts. I mean, 22 and 26, that's, you know, you've got guys, young guys, thoroughbreds. And ultimately, I mean, as LeBron starts to slow down with the Cavaliers, he has two guys that can pick him up a little bit. He's got a few guys that can pick him up. So it's a great situation for the Cavaliers, a great situation. Let's go to Paul George now and – Funny thing, and not funny thing, but an ironic thing. Before, or during, I should say, during the game, during that uh, exhibition game on Friday night, I tweeted out that NBA executives around the league are holding their breaths. And I tweeted it out, but I didn't expect what happened to Paul George to happen. I didn't expect that at all. I didn't expect that at all. And I tweeted it out, and I, when I tweeted it out, I was like, okay, I don't think this is going to, you know, turn into anything. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to get hurt because it's not something you see. It's an exhibition game. It's no different pretty much than an all-star game. It's a, pretty much a glorified practice. It's a glorified practice that we saw. And so I didn't expect, obviously, my tweet. To you know, come to fruition. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, GMs and, and executives and coaches around the league, I guess, should be holding their breath because there's a lot of players out there, big time players, who have to go back to their teams and, put, and who play a big role for their teams. So obviously, 
you got to be a little nervous. But when I saw the injury, I, I watched it live. And then funny thing, I was on my way to the bathroom, about to go to the bathroom. I had to go to the bathroom real bad pretty much, too, actually. I really did. But on my way to the bathroom, and, and, and I stopped, and, and I, I kind of missed the play, and I turned around, and, I, you know, Paul George was on the ground, and I heard uh, Fran Fischella say that this looks like a very serious injury. And then I saw the replay. And when I saw the replay, that's when I knew this was trouble, and this injury was trouble, and this was a catastrophic injury. And when, when I saw it, I mean, I was, I, was, I, was, I was stunned, just like everybody else. You know, I was stunned what I saw. I mean, it was shocking. It, it's not something you expect to see in, in that type of game, an exhibition game. I, I didn't expect to see that. That's not something you expect to see. And, it, you know, in what, 22, 22 years since uh, the Dream Team first came about? And NBA players have been a part of the, part of the Olympics. This is the, this, the first time we've seen something of this nature. So I, I guess in a lot of ways it's the exception to the rule. It's the exception to the rule. But Mark Cuban, obviously, he's a guy that's been against this for, for a long period of time. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The thing about it is Kevin Love pulled out, Blake Griffin pulled out, and Kevin Love pulled out because of the uncertainty with his situation, understandable. Blake Griffin pulled out because, you know, some injury situation with him, his back. But here's the thing. Paul George, if you're a guy like Paul, here's my initial thought when, this, when I first saw that was like, wow, none of these guys, well, I've been, none of these guys should be playing. None of these guys should, should, should go out there and, and risk, you know, their, their lives, risk. And their lives from this standpoint, their financial lives, because you just never know if you have a career-ending injury, your chances of earning are affected. But, you know, this is not the NFL. A lot of these guys have guaranteed deals. It just depends on how many, you know, how many years they got on their deal and how much money they're getting. But the situation with Paul George, well, guess what? He was, he's entering a five-year, $90 million contract. So financially, financially, he's fine. He's fine financially. I mean, that's really not a worry if he never plays uh, another game in the NBA, and I believe he will. He had a compound fracture, uh, the tibia and the fibula. And, you know, if he never plays a game, he's good financially. I'm not concerned about him financially. But obviously, obviously you, you're concerned in terms of him moving forward in his career, and I believe he'll be fine. But you just, you know, you, you just hate to see it. A young star like Paul George. Paul George is a star on the rise. I mean, the first few months of the season, Paul George was an MVP candidate. He was an MVP candidate the first few months of the season. The Pacers were world beaters the first few months of the season. We all know what happened to the Pacers. Ultimately, as a team, they fell apart. But they were world beaters. Paul George was big time and was on his way to an MVP season if the Pacers would have kept it up and if he would have kept up his play. But you look at it. You look at the Pacers, ultimately it fell apart for them, fell apart for Paul George a little bit, but the Pacers still managed and found a way to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. But looking at the Pacers, now, moving forward, Larry Bird, Frank Vogel, you look at the Indiana Pacers. Last season, you look at this Pacer team. Statistically speaking, last season, they're top. Two scores. Paul George at 22 a night. Lance Stevenson at 13 a night. Their top two scores from last season won't be there. 
Stevenson will be in Charlotte. Paul George will be rehabbing. But I should say, well, Stevenson is their third uh, leading scorer, but two out of the three top, two out of their top three scorers are now going to be on the sideline. Well, now Paul George will be on the sideline, but Lance Stevenson will be elsewhere. Two out of their top three. That's big. So now you're taking 22 points out of your lineup. You're taking 13 points out of your lineup. Roy Hibbert struggled big time last season. Roy Hibbert averaged under 10 points last season. And he's getting all that money, close to a, pretty much a max deal for Roy Hibbert. And, and he's averaging less than 10 points a game. Well, now Roy Hibbert has to step up his play. And only averaging six boards a game. Actually, he averaged 10 points a game. I stand correct. The postseason, he averaged nine points a game. But during the regular season, he averaged 10 points a game. But the postseason is where you essentially make your money, and he was non-existent. He was non-existent. But I look at the Pacers now. The best, I, the best I, I can imagine for the Pacers, what, seventh or eighth seed, you know, if that, possibly not making the playoffs. But in terms of championships, that, that's pretty much out of the window for the Indiana Pacers. That's out of the window. That's pretty much out of the window. Out the window, that, that, that's not even talked about at this point. What we're talking about is just trying to make the playoffs, period. That's what we're talking about, just, just making the playoffs, period. That's out the window or anything else. That's out the window. Making the playoffs at this point is, is, I guess, the goal for the Indiana Pacers, making the playoffs. But I look at this team, obviously they're going to be much different. The expectations are much different. So who's, who's going to be leading the way? David West? Roy Hibbert? George Hill? I mean, David West is 33 years old at this point. You know, how much basketball, he's on the other side of his career. How much good basketball does he have left? So I think moving forward, this affects not only this season, but it might affect what's going to happen moving forward for the Indiana Pacers. I thought they put together a pretty good team, a pretty good roster of players. But now, and when Paul George comes back, Obviously, you have him locked up and locked down in terms of a contract. You just hope he can return to form. And, you know, Brian Hartline, I heard him say, you know, he had an injury similar to to Paul George, and he felt like he came back stronger, better. So maybe that will be the case for Paul George. Maybe he'll come back stronger and better. But will the team be strong when he comes back? Will the team be strong? Because you've got to find someone to replace Lance Stevenson and what he brought to the table. You've got to find someone um, moving forward. I mean, I still think you know, your point guard situation is a little suspect. I don't know if George Hill is truly the answer. But, you know, you look at this team, Paul George is gone. Yeah, I guess C.J. Miles or maybe Rodney Stuckey. I'm just looking at last, next year, but, you know, the, the future moving forward, you know, ultimately, you know, David West. I mean, the Pacers, I know at some point David West will be coming off their, their books, 
But I look at this team, and I and I'm saying to myself, this injury will affect next year, and it could affect it moving forward. Indiana is another place where, you know, this is a team that has to draft well, because again, it's not always a, you know free agent destination for players, but not a marquee destination for players. So this is another organization that has to. To, to find ways to draft well because ultimately you get the rights of a player. Ultimately you have the ability to pay him the most money, which is important and which can help in keeping the player. I mean, look at Miami and Chris Bosh. You know, it helped that Miami could give him that extra year and, you know, basically give him extra money. That helps. That definitely helps. And that was one of the big reasons why Miami was able to keep him. That was one of the reasons Miami was able to keep him. They could pay him the most, and paying him the most, you're able to, to, to keep him in Miami. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully, you know, I'm just hoping that Paul George will make a big-time comeback. But moving forward with the Olympics and, and you know, whether or not these guys should play, I believe you know, my initial thought was, no, don't come back, don't play. But I think if you had a, a pretty secure deal as a player, I think I would play. And here's also the thing in terms of what it does. We all know what the 92 Dream Team and what it did for basketball around the world. It helped make the sport more popular. It helped. It helped grow the sport. It helped, you know, it helped make the sport an international sport, a world game. It helped. You know, Magic and Michael and Barkley and Bird and Ewing and Robinson, those guys, it helped. It helped market the game worldwide. And that helps. So in some respects, it, it helps the owners, obviously. But it helps the players because if the game is gaining popularity worldwide, what well, it helps. That helps you. That might help you in terms of getting an international sneaker deal. That could help. I mean, it just it, it benefits you. It benefits these guys, you know, in, in terms of their brand. You know, winning a gold medal can help their brand. Maybe help sell some extra sneakers, maybe. So I look at this situation. I believe if you have security, like a Paul George who had security, financial, if you have financial security, as a player, I think I would still play. In terms of the NBA, I think I would still, you know, encourage these players to go out and play. Because, again, the benefits help everybody. You know, more so the owners and the players probably, but it helps. It helps everybody. And it grows the game. And that's always a great thing. You've got to grow the game. And, you know, those guys playing in, these, you know, in the Olympics helps grow the game. It helps make the game popular. So my initial thought was, you know what, if I'm a player, I'm pulling out. But then I thought about it, and then my second thought was, okay, if I'm a player and I have financial security, I'm staying. If I'm a player and I don't have the financial security that I want and I'm looking for, I'm going to stay. I mean, I'm, going, I'm not going to do it. You know, a guy like Kyrie Irving, he has financial security. He has financial security. So if you're him, why not stay? You know, a guy like John Wall, he has financial security. Granted, he got cut, but he has financial security. Why not stay? So, you, you know, guys like that, I mean, stay. You should stay. 
because again, you you're you're good. You're good financially. You're good. Even a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, who has financial security with the Sacramento Kings. Last year he signed a four year sixty two million dollar deal. So he has financial security. And so a guy like him, he should be out there. Kevin Durant, I know at some point in 2016, he has an opportunity to opt out. So Kevin Durant, and on some level he has financial security. And also, speaking of Kevin Durant, just, you know, I saw this story a few days ago. There's a possibility now. Kevin Durant, he's a free agent, a shoe free agent. (laughs) So his deal with Nike has expired. So at this point, there's talks that Under Armour is looking to, to give Kevin Durant $30 million a year. $30 million. $30 million a year off the court. This is not even on the court. Off the court. And, and this deal, this endorsement deal, could go for 10 years, $325 million. 10 years, $325 million. And with that kind of endorsement deal, if somebody's offering you that kind of money, you have no choice but to accept it. Nike is popular, but you're talking, you know, and everybody wants a Nike shoe, I think. You know, growing up, oh, you know, Nike was the brand I always wanted to wear. But Kevin Durant now in Under Armour, you're talking 10 years, $325 million. You have to sign that deal, and you have to sign it fast. You have to sign that right now. And, you know, Under Armour's taking a chance with Kevin Durant, maybe, his face, and especially if he can win some championships. He's definitely popular. But, you know, with his popularity and if he wins titles, it's only going to get better for him. And if he continues to to win scoring titles and win MVPs, it's only going to get better for him. So Under Armour is is, is betting on that, taking a chance, and, and, you know, trying to make a dent in this sneaker market. Time trying to make a dent. But 10 years, $325 million, you can't walk away for something like that. So Kevin Durant is a guy that should be playing in the Olympics. He has security, financial security. Thank goodness none of these guys, thank goodness Paul George doesn't play in the uh, NFL. Because that five-year, $90 million contract could be ripped up in a, in a second, a New York second. So, thank goodness for Paul George, he plays basketball, not football. I mean, the contracts, in comparison, I mean, it's, it's, it's pathetic as far as I'm concerned that these NFL guys, these NFL contracts, these, these NFL players did not fight for guaranteed deals. Hockey guaranteed deals, basketball, baseball guaranteed deals. And, you know, hockey's a rough sport. And, you know, comparing hockey to football, both rough. I think football might be a smidge rougher. A little more, a little more in the smidge rougher, but it's rougher. Because you look at an offensive lineman, he's hitting 
the defensive line, the, the, you just look at the trenches. They're hitting each other each and every play. They're hitting each other. So every play is a hit. There's no breaks. So I look at that. Football, baseball has guaranteed. Basketball guaranteed. Hockey guaranteed. NFL, the most popular sport in America. You know, it's not even close, the most popular sport in America. It's not even close. And those guys don't have guaranteed deals. And so the money that they're making pales in comparison to the money that's being made by NBA players, that's being made by NHL players, that's being made by uh, baseball players. Pales in comparison. Perfect example. You look at Jimmy Graham. Look at, you know, Jimmy Graham's deal. Jimmy Graham has guarantees of about $20 million. $21 million in guarantees. $21 million. So he's guaranteed with his new deal, four years, $40 million. 20, and 20, $20 to $21 million of that deal is guaranteed. Well, you look at a guy, just compare it to, and Jimmy Graham is arguably the best tight end in football. You know, you compare it to a guy like uh, Jordan Hill in the NBA. Jordan Hill, two years, $18 million. Jordan Hill is not one of the best players in the NBA. Jordan Hill is a role player at best at this point. So, and he's getting, he got two years, $18 million. You look at a Jody Meeks over the life of his deal. Well, in terms of guaranteed money, we're just looking at guaranteed money. Jody Meeks, what, what was it, four years, $24 million. Granted, Jimmy Graham is four years, $40 million, but again, only 21 of that is guaranteed. So Jody Meeks is making more money than Jimmy Graham. And Jody Meeks, nice player, but Jimmy Graham is the best player or the best tight, one of the best tight ends in football. One of the best tight ends in football. Actually, it was a three-year deal, $19 million. I apologize, I am wrong. But in terms of guaranteed million, guaranteed money, he's two million off with Jimmy Graham. Two million off. The point I'm trying to make is this: you know, the Bankers Paul George plays the NBA. And the point I'm also trying to make is NFL contracts and and just how they do things for these players stinks. Absolutely stinks. It's not even close. And you look at <clears throat> Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton signed a new year, new deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, the original reports, everybody was, was, was so excited. Not so excited, but not, not, I wouldn't even say up in arms, but, you know, you saw <clears throat> six years, $115 million. Well, obviously, you look at Andy Dalton and his body of work, yes, 30 and 18 as a starter, but 0-3 in the playoffs. You look at his body of work, and you're saying, how's he getting $115 million? He's not. This is a, he's not getting $100 million, $115 million. He probably, well, depending on the type of career he has, we'll see if he gets it. But I doubt it. But anyway, his guarantees are in the range of $17 million. So $17 million in guarantees. He's expected to get about $22 million in this first year, including base salary. 
So you look at this deal with Andy Dalton, and, you know, you look at Jordan Hill. Jordan Hill makes more money, is going to make more guaranteed money than Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton, in terms of where he stands in the NFL and in terms of where Jordan Hill stands in the NBA, well, Andy Dalton stands a little higher than Jordan Hill does in his sport. So that's just, you know, just, I mean, that's just a little, just comparing the salary structures of, of, of the two leagues and, you know, how different it is. And, you know, comparison, you know, comparing the physicality of, of football in comparison to basketball, comparing, you know, you know, these guys and, you know, some of the long-term effects uh, of the pounding that they take week in and week out. Just looking at that. And let's go back to Andy Dalton, obviously. $17 million in guarantees, you know, 30 and 18 as a starter. Had a decent year for the Bengals last season. But just like the other couple years in the playoffs, he didn't do too well. Did not play well in the playoffs in his career in the playoffs. 0-3, that's big. But that touchdown to interception ratio. One touchdown to six picks. And his quarterback rating goes down almost 30 points in the playoffs in comparison to the regular season. 30 points. That's a lot. Completion percentage goes down about 4%. But, you know, the quarterback rating, and, you know, one touchdown to only six interceptions. Obviously, you're not doing what you need to do in the playoffs to help your team be successful. You're not playing well. You're not. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is, I think this is a good contract. For him, I think it's a good good contract for the Bengals. Basically, it's a year-to-year situation. It's a year-to-year situation. So, and his deal was better than Kaepernick's deal. His deal was better than Kaepernick. And Kaepernick is a guy who had a lot of postseason success. You can argue Andy Dalton's body of work is better. I mean, you know, in terms of regular season, in terms of starts, I mean, he started 48 games. So you can you can argue that in terms of that, you know, his body of work is better and, you know, led his team to the playoffs three straight years. Kaepernick, two straight years to the playoffs and, you know, with, with the uh, 49ers. So the point I'm trying to make is this. The point I'm trying to make is this. First of all, you know, the salary structures are all messed up. That's point number one. Point number two. Comparing Kaepernick's deal to uh, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's making $17 million in guarantees, Kaepernick $13 million in guarantees. I, I looked at that Kaepernick deal, and I was, I was, that, it was a bad deal. It's, it's a bad deal as far as I'm concerned. It's a bad deal to me. It really is. I mean, I, I it was a bad deal. It just was. I mean, it, it was a bad deal as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I just look at that deal, and I'm saying to myself, I mean, why do you why are you signing this deal? I'm, I mean, I I just feel like you had a little more leverage than that. I really do. I felt like you had more leverage than that. Why why are you signing that type of deal? Why are you signing a a, a deal that only gives you 13 million in guarantees? I mean, I, I look at the situation with Joe Flacco and what he did. Joe Flacco, he waited, 
And guess what? I mean, they couldn't come, you know, come to an agreement with a contract. So ultimately, he played it out. He went on and won a Super Bowl. Guess what that got him? A $29 million signing bonus and $51 million in guarantees. $51 million in guarantees. You compare that to Andy Dalton. You know, Andy Dalton has $17 million in guarantees. You look at Kaepernick, you know, $13 million in guarantees. Obviously, you know, Joe Flacco made out. Well, and here's the thing with Kaepernick. He's good enough, I believe, and that 49ers team is good enough that if he waits, that 49ers team can win a Super Bowl this year. Legitimately. I mean, they're, they're a legit favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. A legit favorite to win. So, with that being said, being that your team is legitimate and has a legit chance to win the Super Bowl, as far as I'm concerned, you should have waited and, and, and you know, played this out and see what happens. I mean, you compare Kaepernick to Andy Dalton in terms of quarterback rating. I mean, you know, 2012, he had 100.9 quarterback rating in the playoffs. That's big time. Last season, you know, 74 dropped a little bit. Three touchdowns, three interceptions. But they played a tough Carolina Panthers, Panthers defense in the divisional round and played also a tough Seattle Seahawks defense in the championship game. And then 2012, when he took him to the Super Bowl, four touchdowns, only two interceptions. 100.9 quarterback rating. So he came up bigger than Andy Dalton in the playoffs. Came up bigger. But Andy Dalton gets more guaranteed money. Gets more guaranteed money. And so, with that being said, and you compare Kaepernick to Andy Dalton's quarterback rating, Kaepernick 87.3 QB rating in the playoffs. Three or more playoff games. And this is quarterbacks who have started three or more playoff games. Kaepernick 4-2 and two in the playoffs. Dalton 0-3. So how does Andy Dalton get more guaranteed money than Colin Kaepernick? I don't know. I do know that, again, in terms of the regular season, a little more body of work. But, again, at the same time, you make it, Kaepernick was decent in the regular season. Decent. His numbers, you know, aren't eye-popping. Aren't eye-popping. But at the end of the day, he won. He, he won for his team. He got his team pretty close to a Super Bowl. And you look at last season, you know, uh, 3,100 yards, 21 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. I mean, numbers aren't, you know, eye-popping statistically. But the guy made the plays. The guy didn't turn the ball over only a lot, only eight interceptions last season. So that's not a lot of turnovers. That's not a lot of turnovers. That's, you know, he protected the football. So, and Andy Dalton had a pretty good year, 33, 33 touchdowns, but 20 picks. He did have 20 picks, and he was awful and has been awful in the playoffs over the past few years. But $17 million in terms of guarantees for uh, Andy Dalton. And Colin Kaepernick, 13, something's not right. Colin Kaepernick, uh, you know, I, he signed a bad deal. I, I don't think there's no doubt about it in my mind. I looked at the numbers, and, and it was bad. He didn't have to sign that type of deal. I mean, he's got a level of security, but, you know, you get $13 million is a lot of money, but you could have got more. You could have got more. And you compare Colin Kaepernick to, to a Jody Meeks, 
Colin Kaepernick standing in the uh, NFL and Jody Meeks standing in the NBA. And Jody Meeks is making more guaranteed money than Colin Kaepernick. Jordan Hill is making more guaranteed money than Colin Kaepernick. So you look at the salary structures between the two leagues, and it's safe to say something's not right here. Something is, is, is actually wrong. Something is wrong here. But it is what it is, I guess. And, uh, the, the NFL, I felt, had their opportunity to, the players, I should say, had that op- their opportunity to change that, you know, during that last lockout, but they didn't do it. So, And they still found a way to get Roger Goodell full autonomy and, and all this power. I don't get it. I don't get it. And, you know, the NFL players, get, get their, they get their butts kicked. Their union gets their butts kicked every time. The owner just kicks their butt all the time, each and every time. It's crazy. But anyway, let's go, let's go to a big story that came out today. Um, the big power conferences in college sports, the ACC, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, Pac-12, and Notre Dame. Well, now they're in position. The board of directors of the NCAA, they voted now to give those schools some more autonomy, give those schools some more power. Give, them, give the schools an opportunity now in their leagues to decide on things like cost of attendance stipends. So stipends for players, you know, maybe 2000 maybe 5000 Give their players extra money, insurance benefits for the players, staff sizes, recruiting rules, mandatory hours in terms of playing sports, or they can spend on individual sports. Give these players possibly an opportunity to make some outside money. And I look at this. You know, this whole situation with the NCAA, obviously with the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit, obviously what's happening at Northwestern with the union and, and then possibly unionizing and that whole situation, at this point the NCAA has really no choice but to, to, to do some things to kind of help their cause. They, they had to do something because obviously the tide was turning. And for a long period of time, and still, the NCAA really had control of everything. They, they, they had the power, a lot more power. And then guys started to fight. It took some time. But ultimately, you know, these, these, these players were able to fight for themselves and, and able to, to advocate for themselves, and others have advocated for them. And ultimately now at this point, they have an opportunity now to get a little extra money in their pocket, especially if you're in those big five conferences, you know, get a little extra money in your pocket. You know, maybe get a four-year scholarship, four-year scholarship guarantee. As we know, a lot of these scholarships are year to year. So now you have a four-year scholarship guaranteed. So you, you can get yourself an education guaranteed, an opportunity to get an education. That's guaranteed for you. So I, I look at it, and, and obviously it's going to, to have, you know, it's going to cause a divide. It's going to, it's going to be haves and have not. And here's the thing, it's always been a have and have not system in a lot of ways. It's always been haves and have nots. That, that's always, it's always been I mean, in some respect because obviously the power conferences, the bigger schools, you know, they get bigger, more exposure, and, and therefore they, always, they already have a competitive advantage. And obviously you look at their, you know, their, their budget in terms of their athletic budget and everything, well, obviously it's more. So they have more power. They have more, not more power, but they, you know, they, they had a better opportunity to recruit players and recruit the best of the best. 
more so than the, than the other schools. Now with this, they have even more power. So it might be a greater and a bigger divide. But, you know, I guess at the end of the day, NCAA really can't blame anybody but themselves because, you know, you have all these silly regulations that are out there on the books. Guess what? These regulations are silly and they're ridiculous. And, you know, some of the rules that you want these players to abide by. And, you know, these players can't do necessary things to help feed themselves. And, again, as we talked about last week, I believe, there's a, there was a study out there that shows that there was about a $3,000 divide and gap that the players had to come up with, the money. They had to come up with $3,000 based off of what they get in terms of the scholarship and, and everything else they get from the university. There still is a $3,000 gap there that they had to come up with. But, again, if you're poor and you don't have any money and you, you're coming from a, you know, a poor situation, $3,000 is a lot of money, especially if you have brothers and sisters and, who, you know, they got to get fed too. Clothes got to get on their back as well. So you, you look at that situation. And you say, okay, there's something wrong here. There's something truly wrong here. Well, that wrong is slowly being righted. You can argue that they deserve even more. But, I mean, this is a start. This is a start, but I think it's going to be a bigger divide because those smaller schools aren't going to be able to pay and aren't going to be able to have the budget to pay and give those players that extra stipend. They're not going to be able to do it, so it's going to be a divide. It's going to be the power conferences dominating. The power conferences are going to dominate, continue to dominate. And, you know, the smaller schools are going to have to get in when they fit in and, you know, maybe find some other creative ways uh, to, to lure players. Not everybody can play in those, at those 64 schools. So they're going to have to find a way to, to lure players to their university. They're going to have to find a way. Maybe they can guarantee a scholarship. I would think that would be a decent way to go. I mean, obviously, you know, you're not giving any extra money out. I mean, you're, giving, you're still giving them an opportunity to get a degree. But at the same time, you're guaranteeing that they can at least have a chance to get that degree. It's going to cost you some money, but maybe it's a way for you to – and most of the time it's a, it's a year-to-year situation, but more often than not, and you know, in a smaller school situation, those guys are going to stay probably those four years. So I think as far as that, maybe you can do that, I don't know. But obviously I think it's going to be a gap. Obviously there's going to be haves and there's going to be have-nots. And we'll see how this turns out. But it's a step, as far as I'm concerned, in the right direction. Second hour, go for it. Starts right now. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G. and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. And we're back. Second hour of Go For It starting right now. In this hour, we're expected to be joined by Golden State Warriors guard Sean Livingston. Signed a new deal with the Golden State Warriors in the offseason. Three years, $16 million. So we're going to talk to him in this hour. Also, we're expected to be joined by comedian Arnez J in this hour. So we've got 
a nice hour lined up for you, so make sure you stick around and stay during this hour. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Sean Livingston. You listen to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything when the playoffs come. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's not Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. And we're going to bring in a guy now who had a, had a very good season for the Brooklyn Nets last season, contributed a lot to that ball club, and a guy now who's moving on, moving on to, to, to the Golden State Warriors. Let's bring him in now, guard Sean Livingston. Sean, how are you? Hey, how's it, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Happy to be on. Sean, i got to ask you this. We saw the injury to Paul George. You know, it was a very gruesome injury. We know what you dealt with in terms of, you know, having a catastrophic uh, leg injury. Your initial reaction when you saw that injury with Paul George? I didn't see it. But okay. uh, just hearing about it, um, you know, just, uh, you know, I understand it's a very severe injury, um, you know, kind of a compound fracture. Uh, similar to what Kevin Ware did, and you know, you obviously feel for him and, and all the work that he's put in. But in understanding, uh, you know, injuries do happen. You know, professionals in, injuries can happen to anybody. And uh, you know, I know the, the work that he put in to get to where he's at, you know, or where he was, um, is going to be the same work that he puts into the rehab and, and getting back to the top. You know, so I have the utmost faith in Paul George and, and his recovery. So you, you you can't watch it. You refuse to watch it. No, I'm not watching it. I don't, okay. I don't okay. watch injuries. You didn't miss anything, definitely. I mean, in, in terms of his comeback, I mean, obviously, you know, the mental hurdle. You know this very well. It's very tough. It's very rough. How long did it take you to, to trust your body again? Um, You know, I mean, it just kind of, uh, I guess, you know, you could say, I can't really put a cap on it, but, you know, a couple of years, maybe a year, you know, I mean, for me, you know, I'm I'm such an instinctive player. I play off instincts. I mean, that's the way I play the game. So, and and using that same terminology, you know, it translates over to my rehab and just kind of the way I play the game. And uh, you know, when when I came back, I told myself it just has to be no limitations um, in order for me to make it back and and to and and beyond. So, you know, when I play, it was just trying to trust, you know, trusting my body and just going out there and just playing and not necessarily thinking about the knee or the injury, I mean, I had symptoms and setbacks throughout my recovery process, and uh, I think that was just kind of, that was just kind of uh, natural, and, you know, what what happens when I was coming from such a far ways back, but now, um, you know, I've, I've come to a place where I can trust my body, uh, you know, trust my instincts, and, and understand, trust the work that I put in to get back to where I am. 
Have you spoken to Paul George at all? No, I haven't. Okay. And at the end of the day, what's your biggest piece of advice to Paul George? Um, you know, I think uh, be patient. You know, he wants to just, just be patient and, you know, but also uh, push yourself. I think, you know, the, the biggest thing is, you know, his, his hurdles. Obviously, uh, you know, you see the injury, and it's more of a shock value than anything. You know, you kind of see what happens, and uh, you're just shocked that an injury could happen uh, that severe. But, um, you know, try to, uh, I think, just, you know, as far as his work ethic, I, you know, I, I trust that. But the mental yeah. hurdles and the mental stability, um, you know, every day, you know, just setting goals for himself and pushing himself past those goals and, you know, the same type of mentality that it takes, you know, to compete at the highest level, you know, and to get to where he is, you know, to be one of the top, you know, top ten players in the world. Um, you know, use that same mentality uh, in, in fighting your rehab because it is a fight, you know, every day. The mental, the mental hurdles, you know, it's a fight. And you, uh, you tweeted out that, that that experience, you know, the rehab and everything made you stronger mentally. Talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just in my approach. Um, you know, and, and and being here and appreciating the game and, you know, just obviously, uh, you know, conquering your, your fears and, you know, and, and going out there and just making it happen. I mean, you know, I think uh, you, you can't be afraid of failure, you know, if you want to be great at something. And, you know, I think these type of injuries, you know, they, they really strengthen you uh, mentally, emotionally, you know, and uh, it, it really can – show what you're made of, you know, uh, in, in a time of distress or in a time of uh, chaos, in a sense. You know, everybody has their opinion, everybody, the public opinion, you know, they, they think that you're not going to make it back or, you know, you know, you'll never be the same or, you know, and, and some of those things, you know, could ring true in the future, but we, we don't know, you know, and I think for him it's just controlling, you know, his thoughts, his thought process, uh, his outlook, you know, and, and remaining positive, but, you know, pushing himself to the brink, you know, to, to get back to where he was and, and even further to be the player that he's For destined sure. to be. We're talking to Warriors guard Sean Livingston. And, Sean, you signed with the Golden State Warriors after a successful season with the Nets. What made the Golden State Warriors situation attractive for you? Well, the fit. It's, it's a great fit. I mean, the, the, you know, the players, the team, um, they have a great group of guys over there. Uh, one, you know, I think – it shows and just their camaraderie and, you know, the way they play the games. You know, they like playing with each other, uh, which is important in a team, you know, a team sport. Um, you know, it's because it's a family. You know, the NBA is like a family and the team is, team is uh, you know, a shade of the family as well. And, you know, they just have a great fit over there, um, you know, with the shooters that they have, uh, you know, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson. Um, you know, I know Andre Godala. I played with Andrew Bogut. Okay. I know David Lee from Missouri. So, I mean, these, these guys, you know, they, it's, it's a good fit. Um, I think what I can bring to the table, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's something that I think the team and myself can both uh, mutually benefit from. Now, do you see yourself having the same role that you had with the Nets being almost a six-man Uh Similar roles. I mean, you know, the teams are kind of put together uh, – you know they're kind of put together similar in similar ways, but um, I think you know just coming in and backing up either Steph or Clay, um, and just kind of being there for those guys and, and pushing those guys, you know, every day to, to get better um, because those guys their potential is is obviously huge, 
um, and and their their performance and their you know their success keys the, the team's success as well. Now, did the Nets offer you any type of contract? Yes, they did, but okay. you know it's it's a business, and I, you <laughs> know I, it was a, it was a family last year. You know I had a you know a good year. I wish we would have went further. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I enjoyed my time playing with them. I learned a lot playing with some of the you know the players and Joe. Paul, you know, Kevin, um, and Jason. But, I mean, it's just, you know, this is it's the way the, the, the business works. And, you know, I would have loved to be back, but now I'm a Golden State Warrior and I'm, I'm happy to be here. We're talking to Warriors guard Sean Livingston. We, you talked about the situation with Brooklyn. You played in 76 games, which was a career high for you. You had a very good season with the Brooklyn Nets. Talk about your season with the Nets and what you did. Well, yeah, I had a good year. Uh, I mean, it started out rocky. You know, Brooke went down. Uh, Jason played with the lineups, put us, you know, and started in the starting lineup and kind of went more of a hybrid lineup. And it just, you know, the fit was good. It worked. Uh, you know, a lot of the times it's not necessarily about, you know, the individuals, but just the chemistry between the, you know, between the individuals. I think that's what kind of determines the success of the team. You know, if you look at the teams that win, I mean, they have good chemistry with each other, you know. Uh, players, role players, they know their they know their roles. Um, you know, all the players know their roles. So, uh, you know, I think it was a good fit from that standpoint, and I think it's uh, you know just as good, if not better, here in Golden State. Now, the Warriors do have a, neat, a new coach in Steve Kerr. At this point, do you know in terms of the offense, will it be a triangle? Will it be a variation of the triangle? What kind of I, offense I don't will, will they be running in Golden State? Uh, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not. I'm not okay. sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll be predicated on ball movement and body movement. You know, it's just. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's that's the. Those are the hardest offenses to guard. You know, um, you know, from a team defense standpoint. So I think that's just looking for more ball movement and body movement, and you know, just trying to get more guys involved. We're talking to Golden State Warriors guard Sean Livingston, and, and looking at the Golden State Warriors, obviously you talked about the ta- talent. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Iguodala, David Lee, to name a few. How close do you think this team is to winning a championship? It's rough, th- rough out there in the Western Conference. How tough? How close do you think this team is to winning a title? Um, I mean, you know, there's it, obviously the West is stacked, but um, you know, there's a lot of teams that are right there. You know, and I feel we're one of them. I think that's the mentality that you know you have to take into training camp. Um, you know, teams come in and they, you know. There's only a few, a handful of teams that really believe that you know they can win a championship, and I think we have to be one of those teams from the get-go. For sure, for sure, definitely a lot of talent there with the Golden State Warriors. We'll see what happens. It's rough out there in that Western Conference, man. A lot of teams out there, a lot of great basketball teams out there in the West. So it should be interesting what happens. Sean, you're doing big things with your foundation, the Sean Livingston Foundation. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, Sean Livingston Foundation is something I started. Um, you know when I went professional uh, in, in Los Angeles. And, and we've we've done some things here in L.A., uh, working with different community centers and um, different organizations out this way. And then once I left L.A., you know, the, the more time that I spent away and um, the, the, more, the more I started to move around, I felt it was just necessary to, to bring the foundation back to Peoria. Um, you know, and, and now that's where our target is and it's Peoria, Illinois, where I'm from, and that's where I okay. where I was raised. And um, so now the foundation is is working there with with other community centers and and working with kids 
know, at risk, at risk kids uh, in, in the community, you know, to try to provide opportunities, um, you know, try to work with different outreach programs and uh, just, just help, you know, just, just to give back. I mean, it's, it means a lot to me, uh, you know, being where I'm from, you know, I was able to receive uh, opportunities by, by going to different schools and different places and working with different programs. And, you know, I want to help and provide some of those same programs and, and different programs as well for, for kids back, you know, back where I, I grew up because I think that's important. You know, I mean, wherever you wherever you leave and wherever you're, you know, you're from, it's, it's, it's important to give back and to show how much the community did for you and how much they mean to you. Now, where can fans find information about some of the great things going on with the Sean Livingston Foundation? Um, you can find information through our website at theshawnlivingstonfoundation.com. So, I mean, all, all our website is up and running, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking to make a difference, you know, in, in the central Illinois area. Definitely, definitely. And fans, also make sure you hit this guy up on Twitter, at Sean Livingston. As a whole, is it, you started your career in L.A., you're back out on the West Coast. You, you like being out on the West Coast? I do. It's a change of pace. It's kind of like a home away from home, per se. Okay. So I, I enjoy it. What's, it's hard not to like, you know, California. <laughs> For sure. Again, fans, make sure you support all the great things going on with Sean Livingston. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter, at Sean Livingston. Sean, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing. But best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, boss. Take, take care. All right. Sean Livingston, guard for the Golden State Warriors. And we wish Sean Livingston nothing but the best of luck. And, you know, you, you just hear his story and how he was able to to come back from that catastrophic knee injury. I mean, the injury was worse than, than Paul George. I mean, he tore ligaments, ACLs, MCLs. And, you know, so it was it was a lot worse than Paul George's situation, but i got to give him a lot of credit because he worked his way all the way back. I mean, that injury happened seven years ago, but it was big time. It was a big-time injury. But he worked his way back, able to get back on that basketball court. Now he's able and has been contributing a lot of, uh, you know, solid. he was solid last year for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they were 35-19 and 19 as a starter with Sean Livingston on the court. When he, was started that, when he started, they were 35-19. and 19. So and so they had a lot of success in Brooklyn with Sean Livingston on the basketball court, and he brought a lot to the table for the Brooklyn Nets last season. He really did and had a very solid season. I'm just I'm happy to see him back on the basketball court. And you, you know you hate to see anybody go down with that type of injury. That you know it's catastrophic, man. It's 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 a rough injury, and I'm just glad to see you know Sean Livingston come back and you know and and make a decent career for himself. And, and I think Paul George will do much of the same. I think he'll work his way back and also make a decent career for himself. So definitely good talking to Sean Livingston, and we wish him nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's go to the NFL now. Preseason, you know, last week you had the Hall of Fame game, and, you know, I don't know how many people watched that. You know, after the, what, you look at the first, after the first, so what, first series or so, you're done. You're, you're checked out. You know, at least I did. You know, after the first series, I'm done. You know, and it's just boring after that point. But, you know, we got a full slate of games tonight, Thursday night, which is tonight, six games. And then Friday night, you got another full, full slate, ten games on uh, Friday night. So you got a lot of NFL football. And from this point on, each and every Sunday, you will have football. Football will be a part of your life each and every Sunday, Thursday too. So you're, you're, you're set. If you're a football lover, you're set. 
for for a long time till February. You're good. You're good. So, and, I mean, it's good to have football back. But you look at some of the games tonight. You know, you got the Jets and the Colts. Geno Smith, Michael Vick believes Geno Smith is going to be ten times better. A lot of people talking that Geno Smith is having a pretty good camp for the New York Jets. But Geno Smith, we'll see what he can do. We'll see who wins that job. I mean, Michael Vick will get some time with the starters, but we'll see who gets that job in, in New York with the Jets. And will it be Geno Smith? Will it be Michael Vick? And, I mean, you've got to look at that situation. I don't, the person who starts the season may not finish the season when you look at that Jets situation. So we'll see what happens. We'll definitely see what happens. But I, I'm interested. I'm interested. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if, you know, Geno Smith had a rough start, had a strong finish, but I think at the end of the day, you know, Michael Vick is the better quarterback. Michael Vick is the better quarterback. As we speak right now, who knows, maybe Geno Smith has made a lot of strides and will. And it seems like a lot of people are saying he has, but we'll see the, what he does. We'll, we'll see what he brings to the table for this team, for the New York Jets, and we'll see if he can keep Michael Vick on the sidelines. Washington and, and New England, Tom Brady's not playing. Ryan Mal, it's a great opportunity for him. Pierre Gasson is not playing. Deshaun Jackson may not play. We'll see what happens there with his ankle. But, you know, the Patriots and, and Redskins have been scrimmaging. So, you know, the Patriots say, you know what, it's not worth it. They say, you know, we, we got, you know, we got Tom Brady got some work in. We don't need to give him any more work. He's good. He's straight at this point in time. And then you got the 49ers and the Ravens tonight. Bengals, Chiefs, Andy Dalton, after signing his new deal, goes out there. Broncos and uh, Seahawks, a rematch of the Super Bowl. And then you got the Cowboys and Chargers and the Cowboys and their situation in terms of their quarterback situation. Tony Romo is slated to play August 16th. So that's next week. Two weeks. That's two weeks. So, well, no, that's next week. That's next week. I can get my dates all mixed up. But we'll see what happens. We'll see if Tony Romo can, can be all right after coming off back surgery. And back surgeries are never a good thing. They're never fun. Any type of surgery is really not good. But, you know, it's a back. So it's always not a good situation, not a good thing uh, to deal with at all. At all. Definitely not a good thing to deal with at all. But, uh, you know, the preseason is going to be interesting. I mean, just like any other preseason. Obviously, you, you always look at that third one, third preseason game as that game that you go and look at, that, that, that go-to game, that game that you focus on. And, you know, you've got starters who play a lot in those particular games. It's a dress rehearsal. For the season, the first, the first two are, you know, you see a little bit of starters, and that first, that last one, you get all the starters for a long period of time. So that's always an exciting thing to see. But obviously, just looking around the league, and let's go to Chicago. Martellus Bennett, in his situation, and you know, he was suspended. I thought it was a little ridiculous for basically a training camp fight. And here's the thing: when I when I initially, and I, I watched the video on the phone. You know, I saw the guy, you know, knock him down. Fuller, I saw him knock him down. And then I saw, you know, Martellus Bennett come back and grab him and throw him to the ground. And initially, I thought it was a slam, a full-out, all-out body slam. Kyle Fuller, I thought it was a full-out body slam of Kyle Fuller, but it wasn't. It wasn't a full-out body slam. And I initially saw the video, I'm saying, okay, maybe I can understand this suspension. 
Then I saw the video again, and I thought that now I think the suspension is very questionable. It's a training camp fight. And more often than not, coaches love and, and promote training camp fights. They like it. It's good for camaraderie. It's good, you know, getting guys mad at each other, getting these guys angry at each other, getting these guys unhappy with each other. You know, it, it, it's, it's good. It's good. You watch Hard Knocks with the Atlanta Falcons, and you're seeing a lot of fights. Seeing a lot of fights, and under the Falcons, and every, you know, speaking of that Hard Knocks, and you know, obviously the Martellus Bennett uh, suspension is ridiculous, as far as I'm concerned, and you know, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't think it was the right move, but you know, maybe that's what the Bears are looking to send a message to Martellus Bennett. I don't know. But looking, you know, speaking of Hard Knocks, you know, you have the Atlanta Falcons, and you know, all you heard was toughness, toughness, toughness. Let's make this team tough. Mike Tice comes in, offensive line coach. Let's make this team tough. Brian Cox comes in, uh, defensive line coach. Let's make this team tough. I mean, you're hearing all this tough, 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 tough talk. You're hearing all that tough talk. And, you know, in terms of toughness, is that something you just, you know, is it, you know, you got to make somebody t- I guess you can make somebody tough, but, I mean, you keep talking about it. Does that take away from the message? You know, tough, 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 tough. That's all we're talking. Is that, does, that, does the message become as authentic as it needs to be? Does the message become a little trite at that point? Because every time, let's tough, we're going to be tough. We're going to be tough, 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 tough. Does the talk get tired? I mean, we'll see. We'll definitely see. I mean, but I love hard knocks. I don't know. I don't know how you cannot love hard knocks. It's, it's just great TV. It's great television. You know, I thought I was going to miss it the other night. You know, you know, I thought I was going to miss it, but I was able to to DVR it, and ultimately I was able. I missed, uh, you know, a few of it, uh, like 20 minutes of, but I was able to see the end of it, and I'll, ultimately I watched it again. But it, it was good. I, it was, you know, it doesn't to me. Obviously, you know, te- the certain certain teams help, but to me, you can make put any team out there, and it's compelling. It's you know, it's compelling. It's very compelling, and, and you know, I, I like it. I enjoy it, and I will continue to watch it. And I look forward to next week's episode of Hard Knocks. Let's go back to the NBA now. And uh, tough situation for Greg Oden. I mean, he got arrested for battery, beat up, allegedly beat up his ex-girlfriend. And you know, you as you go through the story, and this happened about 3:30 in the morning. You know, the the woman who's 24 years old was found on the sofa, swollen, bloody face. I mean, he, you know, and, and according to reports, a friend, according to the police report, a friend of the women told officers that Greg Oden had punched her. And Oden told officers that he dated the woman for about two years. They split up about two months ago. He said they were arguing and things got out of hand. He said he struck her as he swung his arm to break free of two people who were trying to hold him back. Trying to hold him back. So, you know, and, you know, one of Greg Oden's relatives said this to the police, that, quote, every time the two visit and go out, there is an argument to follow. So obviously this is a very toxic situation. A very toxic situation. Toxic. Very toxic. I mean, so, you know, if if relatives are saying every time these two get get together, they argue. 
They argue. They, every time they get together, they argue. If that's being said, that's a problem. And, and it's, you know, obviously, as a man, especially a seven-foot man, 280-pound man, you know, you can't be putting your hands on women. You can't do it. You can't do it. And, and if here's the thing. If you're putting yourself in a situation where you're going to do something or you might lose control, then you need to think about what you're doing. You need to think about going around that person. You, need, you might want to say and, and you might want to think about going, not hanging out with that person, not being around that person. You, you, may, you might want to stay away from that person. If there's volatility, if there's an argument every time you guys are around each other, then you need not be around this person. And in some respects, you know, we don't know the, the circumstances and why he hit her, but at the end of the day, he hit her. At the end of the day, he's charged with battery. At the end of the day, this woman's face is swollen and bloody. At the end of the day. And so we don't know the circumstances, but at the end of the day, bottom line is this. If you're involved in a situation or with a woman who every time you're around this woman, there's, there's a level of volatility. Every time you're around this woman, you guys always start arguing. Well, guess what arguing, arguing or arguments lead to sometimes? It leads to violence sometimes. Sometimes it does. It's not good. It's not acceptable on any level for a man to hit a woman. It's not. Never will be. Never will be. Never will be acceptable. Whether she struck him or didn't strike him, whether she hit or didn't hit, it's not acceptable. He's got to be smarter. And the thing about it is when you have some, you know, when you're emotionally invested in a relationship, and granted, I know, you know, they broke up and everything, but they only broke up two months ago. They only broke up two months ago, so, you know, they're, they're still, it still might be fresh, whatever happened, whatever the circumstances of the breakup are. It's still fresh after two months, still fresh. So I, I, I look at the situation with, with Greg Oden, and, you know, if, you're, if a relative is saying that every time these two are around each other, they start arguing, then it's probably not a good situation. It's probably not a good idea for you to be around this person. Probably not a good idea. In fact, it's a bad idea. It's a horrible idea. You don't do that. If it's going, to, and I know he said we don't know if he hit her by accident or if he hit her purposely, but he did say that things got out of control. And he said he struck her when he swung his arms to break free of the two people who were trying to hold him back. So, you know, I don't, we, we don't know how true that is at this point. We don't know if he meant to hit her. Or we don't know if he did it by accident. We don't know. But the bottom line is, he's arrested. Bottom line is, she was hit. Bottom line is, she was bloodied and swollen on the sofa. Bottom line is, this is a seven foot one, two hundred and eighty pound man. 
So, you know, his his hits, man or woman, going to hurt. His hits, man or woman, is probably going to leave a mark of some sort. But, again, we wish, I wish all parties involved nothing but the best. But I will give, give Greg this advice, and I'll, I'll repeat the advice to Greg Oden. In the future, if you know that it's volatile every time you guys are around each other, then it probably is in your best interest moving forward to not to ever not be around this person. Because at the end of the day, this situation now has got you arrested and you know charged with battery. This situation has gotten you in trouble. So it's just something to think about if you're Greg Oden moving forward. Just something to think about. Be wise. Be smart. Don't put yourself in a position to essentially fail. And that's what happened with Greg Oden. When we come back, we're going to be joined by comedian Arnez J. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat, and the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't mean it. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> We see what you can do. We seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's Harley. That's not Roxy. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. And we're back. We're going to bring in a guy now, a funny guy. I mean, this guy this guy can tell jokes for days. Actually, as Ice Cube said, put a week on it. Yeah, this guy's funny. Let's bring him in now, actor, comedian, Arnaz J. Arnaz, how are you, man? What's going on, Big Bubba? What's happening? Oh, not too much. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you all so much for having me, man. I really appreciate you. Now, Arnez, I hear you're a baller, man. You played for the Harlem Growth Trotters for a little bit. Talk about that. Well, you know, you know, back in the heyday, I'm not, I, you know, the the, the Globe Trotters uh, is actually uh, a very. If you ever get the chance to go see or have the opportunity, like I did, to just play with them for a little bit, it's just one of those childhood like dreams that you never would think that would have ever happened. You know, it's just right. certain things happen in our life. You just think that would never happen. You know, me being a globe charter, uh, me me ended up going on concert with uh, uh, Prince. You know, it's just okay. Do certain things in your life when they happen, you just have to um, you grab hold of them and and you just think of it as a blessing and just as something you just store in your memory book forever. How'd that happen? How'd that come to pass? Well, Manny Jackson, um, who's the owner, was the owner at that time. I don't know if he still is. Was the owner of the Harlem Globetrotters, and I. They 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 saw me at a I guess a you know a celebrity basketball game just 
you know, clowning around, you know, but, you know, I have a little bit of skill. And, and, uh, and they called me, and I thought, you know, I thought it was a joke. I, mean, I thought somebody was really joking that, that Manny Jackson, the owner of the – matter of fact, I hung up. I hung the okay. phone up, and my and my agent called me and said, "No, no, no, this is this is for real, dude." I mean, I'm so you know, I I wouldn't have never known. So that's how that transpired. He called me up and um, said he wanted me to come out and be a part of the Home Gold Trust, and I just went like, like wow, dude, like wow, you you don't <laughs> even understand, wow. Uh, let me ask you this: You said you were hanging out with Prince. What's it like hanging out with Prince? I got enough. Dude, let me tell you something. If you're a man, I don't care if you're a woman or a man, don't look him in his eyes. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. His eyes, or he has the most, he's he got to be every bit of five, five, and that's it. <laughs> five and that's it feet. When I tell you, dude, <laughs> you look him in his eyes, man, you're going to get hypnotized. I promise you. I felt like a girl. A girl when I was in his presence, man. It was just like you catch yourself in so much awe, you don't know how to you, – your manhood leaves. There, oh, you can forget that. No, there, there, there are no fruit balloons. You are wearing thongs. That's, that's all I'm telling you. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you know, ain't that they have nothing against my manhood. But when you're in Prince's presence, you, you, you're just not the man no more. You understand what true power is. And that's and that and and that little fine midget, <laughs> true power. <laughs> you should have had a stick for you, man. Please, that's how he got me. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I didn't believe it was him. I didn't believe it was him. So I said, man, do something here, that baby. I said, oh wait, man, hold up. That's when all your manhood leaves right there. Okay. So when I went to go. I went to go meet him at the Fox Theater, uh, Fox Theater in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, to meet him and 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 talk about, I guess, him meeting me to to fill me out to see if he wanted me to do the couple of city tour with him. And when I when I first got there, you know, I, talk, I was talking to myself. You know, you're gonna talk to yourself driving all the way there. I'm like, man, you know, you pumped out, man. You know, you gotta get you gotta get your hood back, man. He just took you straight up like a woman. So I said, when I look at little man, I'm looking in his eyes. I'm gonna swell my chest up at him. That's all I'm gonna do. So they, when I got there, they said, "Well, you want to go?" At that time, he was calling himself the artist. So he said, "You, you know, you want to go in the artist's dressing room?" I'm like, "Nah, nah. I'm trying to act real cool, man." I'm like, "Nah, it's all right. Nah, you know how we do. <laughs> nah, it's all right. But man, this light <laughs> coming out of his dressing room, like this beam of light. Like, I don't know, like angels were in there. <laughs> so it's telling you're walking okay. up to the pearly gates. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way it looked. This big gold light came out. So when I went in, man, he had all these little bitty shingery, these little shingery pants and little five-inch heels, all this glitter. And I felt like, man, I, I felt like I was surrounded by a field of diamonds. So I kept telling myself, Arnez, don't touch the pants. Don't do it. I couldn't help it. I just went all through his pants, like all down the line, rubbing my hand in him, feeling silky smooth. All of a sudden, I hear his voice behind me, Arnaz. I turn around, and say, oh, no. And I, and I, and I caught me with my, with my hands on his pants. Oh, oh, my God. Man, I'll never forget that, dude. I will, I will never forget that. Oh, I felt more woman than I did when he was on the phone with me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, 
<laughs> Don't look him in his eyes. I'm telling you, do not look him in his eyes. <laughs> I'll take your word on it. I'll tell the world. I'll tell the world. Man, that man, I went, man, when I left here, man, I felt more girl. All I just wanted to do was go home and plant flowers, you know, just just clean up, just get my nails painted. I mean, I just felt like a straight woman. Um, I guess you want to do that to the end of time, huh? Oh man, man! I, you know what? I'll be when one someday I'll be able to tell my grandkids that, and but and I know they're gonna laugh at me. I already know, but it, man, it was a beautiful experience, and uh, and, he, and that's when he had Larry uh, Larry Graham uh, traveling with him too. And that was my first time meeting Larry Graham. You know, he's a straight vegan, and man, when I tell you he didn't allow <laughs> any meat on his tour, don't let him see you with no meat. <laughs> don't let him see you with no meat. That's all I'm telling you. Oh my God! <laughs> Dude, I ain't never seen somebody. Go ahead, go ahead. I ain't never seen somebody slide across the stage so five inch heels, sparkling man, like sparklers. Just <laughs> oh man, when he slid across the stage in them heels, I said, you know what? This is this this is a bull crap. I ain't never seen no human like this. I'm like, dude, he makes you feel like you're in a whole totally different world. It's a trip. It is a trip, man. Don't look him in his eyes. I do. I don't know how many more times I can tell you that. Oh, my God. Man, you could be the baddest dude in the world. You look him in his eyes, okay, I'm just letting you know. Thong time. That's all I'm letting you know. <laughs> it sounds like you almost had an encounter with God, man. This is a, oh, man, it's, 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 you know what? You know what? Never thought of it that way. God might have sent a messenger. That's all I'm telling you. Dude, dude, he had the most softest, the softest pants I've ever touched. I mean, dude, it was like it was like silk on silk. It was, dude, it was, un, I can't, I can't even fathom ever had, touching material like that. I mean, it was unreal, man. I, I know I'm going on about it, but man, you'd have had to bend. I'm telling you, dude, I, I lost all my hood points that day. Great. I lost all hood points. Somebody from a somebody from a somebody from a nursery could have whooped my behind that day. I'm just letting you know, cause I girled up. I am not gonna lie. I tried to shake his hand like a real man. He's gonna shake my hand with them soft, buttery type fingers. I said, "Oh, this ain't this, this ain't even right, right here. This is not right." I'm so happy to meet you. <laughs> So you just want to you just want to tug at his garment, man. I just do. I would have wrapped myself around his ankle and walked. That's all I'm just trying to tell you, dude. I never seen and you and you know being a man, you know you ain't you ain't trying to look at another man butt or nothing like that. You ain't trying to do that, but man, you you, you can't help it. <laughs> so you, you can't help it seeing a little knuckle butt butt. <laughs> Man, I said, I said, I can never tell nobody this. You know, cause you, you know, he's always so short. You try to keep your eyes up, man. And he walk away so smooth, man. Your eyes go straight to his butt, man. That ain't right. <laughs> oh, did you touch? My God. Did you touch it? No. <laughs> it moved like two little knuckles. <laughs> And then you talk and you tell yourself, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. Oh, you looking. 
<laughs> oh, we're man, talking to actor, to... comedian, Arnaz J. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not Arnaz, Kevin Hart. I, I know. <laughs> Go ahead. No, you're not. You're talking to Kevin Hart. You ain't talking to me. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Let me ask you this. I, 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 know, yeah. I know you hate political correctness. We live in a very political correct world. Oh, How's that working God, out yes, for you, do. man? How, how do you maneuver in this politically correct world? Well, you know, uh, what I do, what I do, man, is I just, I, I, I live my life and I accept my life and I don't try to evaluate so much. You know, I even tell my son, stop, don't try to evaluate everything so much. You know, just live in your lane. Because if you live in your lane, I said, you know, people will see who you are. So it's okay. just like my, it's, it, you know, so I think that's, I think that's what, you know, I, I keep enough knowledge to where if I needed to get in a conversation with someone, I got you. But I don't make it so much of a part of my life. It seems like every time I want to talk to someone, the first thing I want to talk about is about, about, about uh, politics or uh, uh, world order or something like that. Because, you know, we've got so much bad in the world, we've got to bring out the good. You know, there's bad all around us. But for it's sure. the good that we've got to fight for. And so that's right. the way I choose to do it. Okay. All right. So you're able to maneuver. You're able to get around just fine. I, I think I am. I, I think, me. I, you know, I, I'm fine with everything, you know. Um, you know, it's just like, you know, my, my, my special that's out on Netflix right now, that's called Racially Motivated. And right. uh, from what I hear, it's just, it's just rising on the charts, and that's a blessing to me. And, and, cool. and it, it makes me feel good that so many different fans and so many different fan base want to watch this. And comment on it, not negative, even though it says racially motivated, but I'm not trying to leave anybody out because there's something funny about not necessarily the race, but the culture uh, of, of different ethnic groups. Let me yeah, ask you so, this. Uh, I know you talk about women in racially motivated. I mean, it's very good. But I want to also ask you this. Uh, you beat your kids? Not anymore, but yeah, would I? Yeah, of course. God <laughs> knocked them the – yes, sir, I sure would. I still would. I got beat. Okay. I did too. Okay. Here we go. Here's where it starts to get sticky. When you use the word beat, the first thing people think about, meaning the conservative generation, is abuse. As you and I grew up, beating was not about abuse. Beating was the same thing as a whooping or getting stomped on because you did not do what you were supposed to do or what your parents told you to do. So let's, let's get that right to the listeners and the readers now. Beating, in my term, is not abuse. Beating your child is whooping your child behind with a belt, right. with a switch. You know, uh, you know that's why when we grew up, it was, there was nothing that was sacred. Yeah, they, they, you know, when I grew up, they tell you to go get what they're going to beat you with. And now you know that. <laughs> they tell you to go get it. At least you know. At least you know what's going to yeah, hit you. know, what's about to hit yeah. your tail. Yeah, but here, here's the respect you have for your mother and father. And you knew not to pick out the smallest one. <laughs> you knew not to pick out the smallest item. Because then you know, okay, you want them to go pick it out or you want to pick it out. So go that happy medium. Go in the middle. 
That's all I'm saying. You know, different cultures <laughs> were raised in different. So, yeah, I talk about, uh, um, uh, you know, beating my kids. And, and as far as women, because uh, I, I think you had asked me um, about, about women. No, would you beat a woman? Would I beat a woman? Never. I don't think, I think uh, uh, spousal abuse on both sides of the track is wrong. When you get to the point where you've got to lay your hands on somebody, you need to either run or walk out the door. Right, for sure. For yeah, sure. because I mean, it's, you getting know, it's getting and, out and of it's hand. It's in the news. It's in the news because of the whole Ray Rice situation as well. And, you know, and, you know Stephen A. Smith and his comments and everything. A lot of people are talking. Well, if, you know, un- unfortunately, uh, uh, what we love to talk about, not, not okay, not love to talk about, but what piques our interest a lot of the times is scandal, violence, anything that is the opposite way you want to live. For that sure. piques our interest. And domestic violence, anybody can do domestic violence at any point. It could be a man, it could be a woman. It could work you know, yeah, men get men get abused also. You know, True. Me, me, mental abuse is just as bad. Work, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, it, it, because when you put somebody in a dark place and you demean them constantly and you put them in a dark place, you know, you got one of nine things that can happen, you know, all the way up to suicide, all the way up to murder. So when you put a person in a dark place, you have stripped them of their self-esteem. You have stripped them of their human person, of their human rights. And once you do that, then that's where you've got a lot of different issues that can happen to a lot of, because it's not only you that it affects, it affects that person and also the people that love that person or that a person may be around. So mental abuse, you are absolutely right. Mental abuse is, is, is hard. abuse, period. It, it's just bad. But, but, at, but at the same point, let's, not, let's not, not lose focus on, you know, you know a lot of people say, well, these men. No, it's, it's both sides. Women do the right. same thing. There are men that constantly get hit by their wives, and they, never, and they never do anything. And then first thing somebody says, well, why don't you leave? It's not always that easy to just walk out of a situation. Because if it was that right. easy, do you realize we wouldn't have domestic violence? Because every time it happens, people will walk away from their relationships. Exactly. And I think at the so, end of the day, you know, we should all keep our hands to ourselves, right? Not only keep your hands to yourself, it, is, it helps so much to stay prayerful. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to force religion on anybody, but I'm just letting you know the power of prayer is, is very strong. God is very real to me. Sure. To me. Sure. So that's why I'm saying that no matter what I do, I, you know, before I want to do something bad, if you drop down on your knees and just... Talk to him. People say, well, you know, when you, when you always say that, talk to God. Well, you know what? If you listen hard enough, you will hear him. No argument And that's here. the way I feel about it. No the, a lot of people here. don't hear God. You know no. why? They don't hear him because they don't listen, man. Well, if you listen, you might hear him. You met? You know. Uh, well, you yeah. did hear him. You met Prince, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, we're going in now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Get a little baby, and you now you want just want to. Okay. All right. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. We're talking to actors. Hey, 
Prince could have never been in prison. He would have ran that joint. <laughs> he would have heard, don't look him in his eyes, dog. Don't look him in his eyes, cuz. <laughs> yeah, tell him to bring me some cigarettes. Tell him to bring me some cigarettes. Are you going to eat that? Let me have it. Let me have it. <laughs> we're talking to actor, comedian, Arnaz J. And, and I heard this, I want that I heard top bunk. Give me that top bunk. I want that top bunk. Give me that top bunk. I don't want, I want to sleep on top. Give it that. Give it that. Yeah! Impressions right now, and um, I, I heard you were a flight te- a flight attendant at one point in your life, and you used to do oh, impressions really? there. Talk about that, dude, man. I you, it just you know, most, when I tell people that I was a flight attendant, people say bull crap. Not not you. I, I I guess I don't meet the criteria of a normal flight attendant. You know, that the the, 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 the talk, I don't know I. You know, I, I don't know. I was Air Mac. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I was Air Mac. <laughs> so it's just depending on where I would go. I mean, I would clown on the intercom. It, you know, if we go to San Francisco, you know, San Francisco, bad, you know, in the day was known for, uh, you know, known for, for, for more of the, 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 the gay interlude. So I'd be on the, mm-hmm. I'd be on the, uh, <laughs> I'd be on the um, phone, on the, uh, <laughs> I'd be on the uh, microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, oh my God, welcome to board flight 505, going to the beautiful city of San Francisco. We are going to have such a groovy time. And so it just, it just depends on where we go, man. It just, we go to Boston. Uh, yeah, welcome to, welcome to flight 507, going here to the beautiful city of Boston. Yeah, where we're going to park the cars, you know. So it just depends on where we will go, man. And finally, a first-class passenger told me, you know, you need to be doing comedy. And that at that point is when I decided, let me go try amateur night. And that's and okay. the rest is history. You have racially motivated out right now. You can get it on Amazon, you can get it on Netflix, you can get it on iTunes. Tell us about it. Well, racially motivated it, it came about, man, because you know, I'm an army brat. You know, so being an army brat, I have had the opportunity to, before I became an adult, travel the world, see different environments, grow up differently than, you're talking about a small-town boy from the hood of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So my father was in the Army Armed Forces, and when I had the opportunity to travel the world, I kind of just grew up. Differently, I grew up in with, around different cultures. Uh, I grew up um, going to school in Germany, singing in the, in the high standard choir in the international choir. Uh, grew up um, going to school in Fort McCullough, Alabama. Grew you know around hillbillies. You know, I grew up around racist white people. Grew up around um, yeah, just um, different cultures. You know, so I just put all that together. And it just buried and, and had a bearance on my life. So I just had this idea because meaning that not so much as talking about race, racially motivated, motivated was more about culture and the different ethnic groups. So that's why I called it racially motivated. 
So okay. it was not necessarily about the race of these people. It was more about the culture of the ethnic groups, the ethnicity. And I know I just said that wrong, but spell it right. <laughs> the, you know, of, 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 of ethnic groups. So that's where the name racially motivated came from because being a flight attendant, I've got to see so many different races and cultures, not just the race, but study the cultures of mm -hmm. other people. Um, okay. uh, you know, of Europeans, of Americans, of of Africans, uh, you know, Colombians, Guanos, you know, it's just different cultures. So that's okay. where racially motivated came from. You have racially motivated out right now. What else is going on with our nice Jack? Well, right now we're just, uh, you know, we're uh, just doing our auditions. Uh, we're trying to, we're still trying to land that, 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 that television show, you know, we're working hard to get it. Uh, uh, and then hopefully, if God wills, you know, we're going to get it. I, I'm, you know, I think if I stop, were to stop touring, I think the, I strongly feel the rest of the world would really be mad. You know, I don't know if I'll ever be able to stop touring because and, and, I love okay. the stage so much, you know. And for a person of, of who I am to have not really just had his, I mean, I've hosted television shows. Um, um, I will also be oh also be doing um, uh, comics on leash. I'll be doing two episodes uh, with them here pretty soon. We're starting in August. You know, okay. so this is just you know a, a blessing. You know, I just left uh, uh, Washington D.C. where we sold out seven shows. They were sold out before I got there. So that stuff like that is a blessing. That is a blessing for that. That's why I've been in this business going on 19 years, and my fans owe me nothing. People that that watch me or that come to see me, you owe me nothing. I owe you everything because you have saved my life because I could have went in the wrong area. You know, I was in a dark place at one point in my life when I knew I wasn't going to play professional baseball. I was in a dark place. So okay. I, I, my, my, my fans, uh, the people that, even the new fans, and the, the thing I love about my comedy, it's just not all black. It's just not all Latino. It's so diverse and mixed, and that's what I love. That's what I truly love because there's something for everybody when you come to see me. So, um, you know, as long as I, you know, keep selling out shows and doing and doing God, I mean, doing uh, uh, believing God, I, I think that I'll be in this business if God wills for a long time. So, fans, if you are in the Bay Area, make sure you go see this man. He will be at Tommy T's in Pleasanton, California, August 15th through the 17th, and also go to Netflix, go to iTunes. Go to Amazon and go check out Racially Motivated with my man, Arnez J. Arnez, yes, pleasure sir. talking to you, man. Wish you Thank nothing you so but much, the best man. of luck. Yes, sir. I love you, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Arnez J., pleasure talking to Arnez J. And, again, August 15th, I don't know what he was doing in the background, but August 15th through the 17th, Pleasanton, California, in the Bay Area, at Tommy T's, make sure you check out Arnest J. He will be there. Make sure you hit him up at Arnest J Comedy. I want to thank Sean Livingston for coming on. Also want to thank Mike Scott for stopping by, and also last but not least, Arnest J. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at goforitgan, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user 
slash go for it. Got a lot of great interviews up there. Posted Vince Carter interview that we did last week. Uh, posted a few of them. Tony Roten that we did last week as well. So make sure you go over there. Stephen A. Smith interview that we did with him from 2011. So a lot of great interviews, a lot of great content over there, youtube.com slash user slash go for again. And you can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. And also, also, you can follow us on Twitter at go for again, G-O-F-O-R-I-T. For everybody here at go for we hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.